Welcome back, everyone. I am Lynn Gilliland. This is Lessons for Leaders. And I am so excited here to have on our show Ashok Rejmi, who I know from many years ago when he worked at a different organization. He was a, You were a senior manager there. Um, and since then, you are now the CEO or is it executive director? Executive director. The executive director for Street Law. And I have been from afar watching your career and i was uh, always uh, respected um impressed by how you were i think it was like 15 years ago so it's so exciting to to get you back to get you here and hear about what you're doing and and talk about how you see leadership so thank you so much for taking the time my pleasure lynn and thank you so much for giving me space to, uh, to reconnect I've had great memories um, when we met for the first time and after 15 years again to be able to reconnect and learn from each other. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. So let's start out. I'd like people to get to know you a little bit. And so just tell us about your journey as a leader. And so we can get a little bit of a flavor of um, what being a, how your leadership path looks like when it's you sure um i am originally from nepal it's it's small country sandwiched between in india and china so i, I grew up there and in nepal i um, my first leadership trajectory started uh, when i worked in developing the first fm channel uh, with the Ministry of Information. I used to work for the Ministry of Information there in Nepal. And the whole idea was his urban youth population who did not have any mechanisms to learn from or to connect and could we use the power of radio to really engage them. And a few of us got together and um, developed the concept and we got that going. Very soon, uh, it was so successful uh, that the private sector took over and said, we want to expand it nationally. And so that was a great moment of learning for myself is, is if understanding the problem or the issue on hand and coming up with, in a way, simple solution, uh, which the mechanism, the tool existed, just people didn't mm. look at that tool as a way to engage population. And, you know, if you do something right, people will come <laughs> to take it to scale or um, to make it work even um, better. So that was my first kind of foray into leadership and thinking outside the box. I came to the U.S. for my schooling and for my higher high education and then worked uh, for about 20 years in international development. And in that span of time, I worked in building one of the world's largest network of young social entrepreneurs around the world. And there again, it was a big learning for me in the sense that development works well when people who are closest to the problems um, are put in leadership and that they own the solutions. And that was the essence and the philosophy behind how I worked throughout my international development career was how do we ensure that 
people on the local level, people who know the problems well, are put in the decision-making platforms and spaces and not have kind of West coming to East or North coming to South um, development paradigm. And I, it was time for me to, you know, after working in that field for some time, it was time for me to look at new, new things to do in life. And I was fortunate enough uh, to be selected as the new executive director of Street Law Inc., which is based here in the U.S. And it is part of a larger movement, what I call Street Law Movement, which has existed for now 50 years. We are celebrating our 50 years this year. But the whole essence of the organization is how do we leverage the power of education to empower people and for justice, right? So um, we work in many countries and a lot in the United States as well to advance equity and justice, unlock civic agency, build democratic culture, and bridge device that exists in our society. So in a way, it was an extension of what I had done for a long time, which was positive youth development, that we use civic and law-related education to empower people. So it was a uh, amalgam of, of, of what I had done for, for a long time. So, you know, from Nepal to US in a new culture and a new environment, um, it was an interesting journey and trajectory for me to think about. And you asked a question about what has been your leadership trajectory. It has been all about not power or position, but it has been about what is the gap in the system that exists and how do you look at existing tools and methodologies, approaches, and not trying to recreate the wheel but how do we repurpose that to address that issue? And that's what has, you know, that has been a kind of a overarching narrative in my leadership trajectory. So do you see, thank you so much for that. And I'm sure there's way more we could unpack just from being from in, you know, starting in Nepal, that be your foundation and then have, you know, coming and to where you are now. And I just wanted to pick up on the that last bit, the looking for the gap in the system and not having to reinvent the wheel, but what responses can we use to address it? So does that feel like you, that's your main job as a leader? That's your main gift that you bring to the situation? I tend to ask, I tend to use the word why a lot. Mm. And I think as a leader for where we are at today, we should be asking that question a lot. And Mm. to a point where we cannot answer anymore, because what that does is it really takes us to the core issue. And I think having worked in the development field for a long time, we tend not to get to that question deep enough, right? And so that is definitely a part of my DNA. And, you know, I was raised in Nepal in an environment where my father spent many years in prison fighting for democracy in Nepal. He was a democratic activist. And as a young kid, I would always ask the question even why that time? Why is he doing this? Why democracy? 
what does it even mean? You know, so it's it's one of those things where there's a sense of curiosity needs to be there mm-hmm. in leaders. Uh, and the learning is always there, no matter, you know, the concept of leadership. Uh, <laughs> no matter where you are in your life, there's always so much to learn. And if you're not curious to to get into that space, um, then you don't have a growth mindset. And I think in the today's leadership, that is one of the traits that we need to have. And so I think how do we inculcate that among the next generation or even this generation is, is a key question. But I do believe that experiential learning opportunities and putting people in a, outside of a particular context that really pushes somebody to ask the question, why? And so that is just in a simple term, you know, the concept of asking the question why is very important. And that it is scary because what that lead, what that can lead to is an, a space very unknown, a space that might make you question your own program or the relevance of your organization. Um, so I, you know, I always say this is it is leadership today is not about just doing things right. It is about doing the right things. Mm. And so when you start asking the question, why? You will land up to a point of asking, are we doing the right thing? And, and that is very scary space. And, and so it's, and again, related to that is, Lynn, leaders need to be very comfortable in their own skin, right? I sometimes feel that, Leaders are scared to say, I don't know. I don't have any answer to this. I would encourage, you know, folks to say, I don't know. And this is one of the most empowering thing I've Mm. realized in my own trajectories. When you can say, I don't know, help me. Uh, You actually can have your team, your staff members, your stakeholders just rise up and start uh, giving in even more. Uh, so, but that has to be embedded in your comfort that, that that you're okay in a space of not knowing. And so I think that is a characteristic that I would love to see more of in the field. I hope that makes sense. Uh, I, there's so much, yes. There's so much in that you're saying that I'm like jotting it down wildly. So um, I love there's what the bringing curiosity I I think is so important and it's a game changer and it's, I find it hard for leaders to do because it means you, you, we feel like we're supposed to have the answers. We're supposed to be the sages. So if you are bringing curiosity and say, why, why, why is it like that? Help me understand what you see then the knee-jerk reaction of, let me just fix that for you, you, you have to back that down. Um, I was talking to a CEO the day before yesterday, and she was telling me that she stopped when her meetings with her executives, she stopped aunt- telling them they bring problems and she tell them what to do, and she stopped doing that. And I think, and I was telling her, yay. And so, and I think the next bit, which I would say to her now that we're ta- I'm talking to you is like bring the curiosity. Why is this happening? Why are you think what are you, why are you thinking this way? Why do you think that's the solution? Not in a way that sounds interrogating, 
but a, like a curiosity. So that I wanted to hold on to that. And then the other thing, I love growth mindset, and we talk about it all the time. But let's assume that everybody knows what that means. What does it mean to you, the growth mindset? It's the ability of people to um, look at the new ways to better yourself and to learn more and to grow in a sense, right? It's, mm. it's that sense of curiosity as I talked about it because if you don't have that, then you, you're not opening up for possibilities. Mm. You're not opening up, looking at the problem in a different way. So it's that, it's that comfort of, of, of allowing yourself to be in that space of learning, to be curious. So that's what I call, I'm, you know, kind of having the growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, which is, I know everything. I don't need to learn more. I don't need to be curious. And I see that a lot in, you know, in leadership. And so I, and particularly in today's world again, right? When I see information and knowledge is democratized, mm-hmm. <laughs> that it could be anywhere. You could learn something doesn't have you don't you're not learning from another CEO. Maybe you're learning from somebody in the villages in Ghana who can give you a very, very important lesson. But you have to be ready to take it. That you have to be curious enough to learn. And so and particularly in this this era of, of where information is so democratized and and available, so that's 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 what I would say. Kind of a, a space within which you're constantly looking to grow. Do you ever find yourself um, that you have to remind yourself to have a growth mindset, or does it come naturally to you? I would be lying if I say it comes naturally. I would say, you know, particularly when you're leading an organization, mm-hmm. it is a constant reminder that I have to put in. It's, you know, one of the things I, for the last few years, I have learned that when you are more into leadership, when you go up in your leadership position, you need to listen more and talk less. Mm. We have a tendency and I've seen this in many organizations where you, you have a group meeting or a staff meeting and your question is raised, the first person probably who will speak is the CEO or the ED. And once that happens, then you're basically blocking everybody to speak any, about anything else because people take the power dynamic in different ways, right? So in any group meeting, you should be the last one to speak, right. <laughs> not the first one to speak. I mean, these are very mi- minor things. I'm talking about tactical on the tactical side, but this has mm-hmm. major ramifications on, 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 you know, on your own growth <laughs> and, right. and growth of others. Right. And it's, 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 and as a leader, I, th- one of the biggest job you have is to help others grow. And, and it has to be a constant, it has to be constantly reminded. And I've gotten, I would like to think that I have gotten better at it as I have grown older and, and taken on new responsibilities, but it's a constant reminder because we all have a tendency to put in our word first. Well, at least for myself, I, I, I fall into the trap of wanting to appear smart. 
And so, you know, that I have to like, that's not about me. It's like pulling it out of other people. It's not about me appearing smart, but there is that maybe from elementary grammar school, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah I know the answer. So, yeah. Um, what's when you, so when you became the CEO after you got in, your, in it for a while, what surprised you that you didn't expect about the being that that the leader as the CEO? Yeah. I would say a few things. One is realization that leadership is a lonely journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the impetus has to be on the leader to figure out how do we create a tribe where you can be most vulnerable and you can be most yourself. Mm. Because at times of crisis, you have to be the one who's showing the possibilities, but I'm still at the end of the day, a human being with my own emotions and vulnerabilities. So that is one big lesson, which surprised me is that I thought leadership was not that lonely, but it is. So I have to make an effort to ensure that how do I mitigate that and, and create that tribe or be a part of a tribe that allows me not to be lonely, right? So that mm-hmm. is one thing. The second thing I realized is, you know, m- myself, eight, whatever, 20, 25 years back, thought that change happens like this. Mm. You, know, you come in and you like change the things. That's not the case. Um, change takes time no matter how small or big. And for that to happen, you need to have an immense amount of buy-in, both internal and external. And as somebody, an entrepreneurial leader who wants to change things, it could be a bit frustrating sometimes because, oh my God, it's taking this long. But one has to realize that a change without a buy-in is not a sustainable change that for it to sustain it takes people owning it so kind of disconnect the change that you are pushing forward is not your change but it becomes a collective change right Mm -hmm. so it it becomes theirs it is owned by them um, and it becomes ours so it's a interesting transition right from from looking at change management, which is putting a lot of time in the beginning, understanding the problem, talking to everybody you can, and looking at what does the, you know, change look like. And you might come from your perspective, oh, this is what I want need to change, but actually that may not be the thing that you'll end up changing. And it is okay um, because you have put in that time and understood what the real issues are. Um, the third thing I would say is one of the things I did a lot, again, I'm somebody who looks at what is the next frontier, what mm-hmm. is the next thing. For a long time, I did not take time to celebrate the small wins. And as leaders, it is very important that we do that. Just taking the time to celebrate those small wins 
to let folks have build up the energy that is required to fix what is wrong. And then you start looking at what next frontier is, but not taking that moment of when things are done right is detrimental longer term to think about your longer term vision or the transformation that you're looking for. Um, those are some of the things that come to my mind right now. But yeah, that, yeah, those are some of the things. Those are all, all excellent. Is there any other, like if you think about your younger self, is there any advice that you would say to your younger self? Maybe the, your younger self in Nepal before you came to the U.S.? I don't know how much younger you want to think. <laughs> you know, when I look back in my own professional and personal life uh, and where I am today, the few things that I, I, would say I would have done differently. I mean, I did that, you know, whenever I think about what could you, do you regret? What do you think? Because you did that based on what you knew that time, right? Mm. Based on nobody does anything because they want to screw up the world or screw up your own life. You do those things based on the information you had at that point, based on the level of knowledge that you had and that maturity that you had. So when I look back, you know, people said, I'm like, I never regret because I don't know what I know now. I can see right now that I might have done something wrong before, but at that moment, I didn't, you know, I didn't do that, um, to, you know, to, to, to get, to have it screwed all, you know. So, but when I look back, certain things that come to my mind, and, and, and this is a learning trajectory as a leader that I've, I've had, is the integral role that empathy and compassion should play in decision-making. Um, you know, empathy is allowing yourself to be in somebody else's shoes. Compassion is doing something about that. Okay, you felt something. Mm -hmm. and no matter how much you disagree, with that philosophy, ideology, people, institution, whatever it is. My immediate reaction when I was younger self was I'm better than that. That mm. they are wrong and I'm right. That the only way to do that is kind of a zero-sum game, right? And it has taken a long time for me to get to a point where come from the perspective of empathy and compassion. And that is such an important ingredient in leadership today um, because any transformational change you have seen in the world is driven by that. Um, so I, you know, I would, I would say that is one thing. Um, the, <laughs> the second thing is you may not be the smartest person in the room, mm. even if you are the leader. Own that. Accept that. And when you do that, it allows a whole sense of possibilities to learn and to grow and from others who may be in the room. Um, and so that is, you know, for a long time when I was like, I entered the room, I was like, oh, I'm going to say that I'm the right, you know, and such is not the case. And so I have gone through my own trajectory of constant transformation and still learning that. I go in the room of sense of humility and saying, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to be the first one to speak. You tell me. Um, and it's also a sense of empowerment, right? Because I think people want that. 
people want that from leaders when they come in the room, not come to, to come in the sense with sense of hubris. It's a sense of humility they want. Mm. Um, and so that is, and then, and being comfortable, I don't know, you know, coming, I have, I have to be upfront about this as a man of color coming from a country in a dominant culture here in, in, in the U.S., there's this constant need, unconscious, unconscious need to prove yourself, prove extra hard that you are worth, that you are good enough. And the only way you could do that was by being first to raise a hand or first to speak or positioning yourself as a smart person. I've come to a point in my life, I don't need to do that anymore. And, and that's the strength. That's the strength, I believe. It's also that I don't know. I have no clue how, how we're going to fix this. And that transformation was so freeing to me mm. as a leader. It allowed me to look at others in a whole different way. It was not just about me, but it was about somebody else as well. So it was a, it was a big lesson learned for me. And am I perfect in this? I'm still learning. I, I don't think I would stop I, on that front, but I'm driven by that now. I think I'm more conscious about it. Um, and another thing I would say, Lynn, is in people management or project management or change management, you tend to look at what are the weaknesses, right? Mm. Uh, I've come to a point where I'm realizing it's uh, what are the strengths and why did it work those, from those strengths? What was the environment like? What were the support system like? And so focusing on strength is an important, very important element. And, you know, I think it's the whole appreciative inquiry concept that a lot of organization uses. Right. I think a lot of, you know, folks need to take that on more is focusing on the strength and not just weaknesses. I mean, until it's what um, uh, I think Zenger and Folkman folks who work in leadership development talk about until it's a fatal flaw. Um, but if you can look at, focusing on the weaknesses and invest in people's uh, sorry fo focusing on strengths and invest in the strengths the productivity would would increase even more and so those are just some of the uh kind of lessons that i have uh you know gotten hold off and it's a continuous work what I love, for me, one of the threads through so much of what you're saying, which I, uh, I agree with, is the, the self, the humility and the self-awareness and self-examination that, um, that you have to bring to do everything that you're, to be the leader that, that you're describing. Um, and I think what I've seen is you, not you yourself, we can slip away from that, but it, and that's okay because we can't, you know, keep the same. We do get distracted, but as much as possible, keep that as a high priority to continue to be self-aware, self-managing, know your impact. Are you living up to your 
aspirations as a leader that you want to be because none of us are perfect. So that's one of the threads that I hear from everything you're saying, how much you have been self-aware or uh, striving to be self-aware. And that to me is gold. And I'm so glad that you have been talking about it. And I, we are up on our time. I was wondering if there's any else thing else that you didn't mention that you would like to. Um, I, I think if on a very simple term, I would say for folks who are talking about their leadership journey, reflecting on, you know, listen more, talk less. Uh, don't get focused on a plan. Be, you know, plans are plans. The world is changing so fast that you have to have that ability to pivot, to learn from mistakes, and just create a new plan. Uh, if we get too fixated on plans, um, you know, have a longer-term, larger vision, but always start small. Don't get, um, you know, too, uh, you know, like, it's it, it, as, as an entrepreneurial leader, you're always looking at that big picture, big change. Always have that in the back of your mind, but start small and and be comfortable with who you are and be comfortable with not knowing. I, those are very simple things, but it's very hard. It's <laughs> to, very hard, yeah. It's, and, and you have to be always conscious. It It has to, you know, the moments when, I'm in a meeting or something, I have to remind myself and I'm like, oh, I should have not just done that. I should not, you know, so it's like a constant reminder in your head and it's a practice, right? In any meditation or whatever, it's, it's a constant practice. And once you continue to practice, it becomes a norm for you. Um, but it's a journey. It's, it's a lifelong journey. And everyone, those are important words. So if you didn't take notes in this podcast you want to listen to it again and jot down a lot of what ashok said it's worth remembering and putting it on a post-it on your screen so ashok thank you so much for coming in and being with us today thank you lynn for having me appreciate it you're welcome and see you all the next time <laughs> <laughs>